The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Hey everybody, good morning. Good morning, welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, Great to have you with us today. Last week uh, was our annual you know, year in review message, and uh, we took a look back at 2015. And you know, as I do every year, I opened up the message with some of the top stories from the previous year in sports, entertainment, uh, news. Well, this week, uh, here we are today. This is the annual year ahead message. And so what I thought I would do today is make some pretty pretty bold predictions, really go out on a limb, you know, so to speak, for 2016. So here's what I want you to do. Everybody right now, look to the person to your right. Go ahead and turn to your right, look at that person. Now turn and look at the person on your left. Okay, one of you will be pregnant this year. So, wow, okay, okay. Now, I, I know, I know, depending on who you're sitting next to, that was a really weird experience right there. Uh, if you're single, you're welcome. There you go. I don't know. Trying to give you a little connection there. Um, uh, but aren't you glad I didn't go look to your right, look to your left? One of you won't make it this year, aren't you? I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Chris, if I am pregnant, I am not going to make it. You know, that's, that's not going to happen. Um, well, let, let, let me ask you. Let me ask you. What do you see? For 2016, I mean, it's here. Hopefully you've already gotten used to, to writing it. Um, you know, what, what do you see for the new year, for the year ahead? I actually went back and uh, looked at last year's message at this time, and um, I, I copied a little short paragraph of something that I said, something that I said last year. Listen to this. And this is about, you know, 2015. I think we're going to see greater unrest in 2015, greater discord. I think our culture and our country will move further and further away from God's kingdom. I think the racial, religious, political, and economic divide will get worse in our country, not better. I think we will see more shootings, more protests, I wouldn't be surprised by a terrorist attack in 2015, and I wouldn't be surprised if it came from within. Kind of eerie, isn't it? Let me ask you, you know, what do you see for the new year? More of the same? And, and for our purposes today, maybe more importantly, you know, what do you see for our church? in 2016. You know, what should be our response as a people of God? You know, as, as a local community of faith, what, what is our response going to be to all of the events that transpire in, in this new year? I mean, do we just kinda, you know, dig a hole and, uh, in our backyards and become preppers, you know? Do we, do we pack it all up and get off the grid? Some people talk about that. You know, do we run away to, to some other country? 
You know what? Quite frankly, I'm, I'm sick of hearing all that. I, I think our response, our response, the, the church, the bride of Christ, it should be just the opposite. I think, I believe that it's time for the true church to rise up and be the church. I think it's time that, that we show the world, you know what? There is a different way. There is a better path. You need help, we have it. You need hope, we have it. You know, what, what I wanna do today um, is, is very simple. And, and, I, and, I, and I've done this a lot, we've done this a lot this time of the year, and we do it throughout the year, but I wanna, I wanna enlarge and expand what you think about the local church. And, and I'm asking God to help us to, to see something more you know, something that, that challenges us as a family, that challenges us as a church. And I'm asking God to give us a glimpse of what we could do, of what we can become. Now again, what I'm gonna share with you today, this is nothing new. Um, in fact, I, I've shared some of this over and over and over, but what I've learned, here's what I've learned in 25 years as a pastor about vision and about purpose. It doesn't take any time at all for us to forget why we're here. It doesn't take much time at all for a group of people to start focusing on themselves. And just about the time I think, well, maybe, you know, you're starting, uh, you've heard it too much, you know, or just about the time I think, man, they're, they're sick of hearing this, um, is probably just about the time it's starting to sink in. Now, the apostle Paul, uh, Peter put it this way in scripture. This is what he said. Listen to this. I plan to keep on reminding you of these things, even though you already know them and you're standing in the truth. Yes, I believe I should keep on reminding you of these things as long as I live. That's how I feel today. You know some of this. We've talked about it before, but I'm gonna keep on reminding you. Now, let me begin by simply sharing with you some things that I believe, that I happen to believe about the local church. You and I, by no merit or goodness of our own, we happen to be a part of the greatest, most powerful thing on the planet. The Bible says that the church, we are the body of Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite stories, and I know I've shared this before, is the now legendary story of how back in 1983, Steve Jobs of Apple Computer lured John Scully, the then president of Pepsi, away from Pepsi to come and work at Apple with this sales pitch. This is what he said. He said, John, do you want to sell sugared water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? Listen, that's how I feel about what we do. That's how I feel about the local church. You know what? Everything else, it is just sugared water. Even Apple Computer, you know what? Sugar water, Disney, the best they can come up with, sugar water. Hollywood, anything they might ever produce or, or come up with, sugar water. Capitol Hill, guess what? Sugar water. We, together, we are a part, listen, of the only thing that will last from now on until eternity. The church. 
And in the process, you and I have the privilege and the honor to humbly change the world. You know, the, the truth is, however, is that there are people today who are leaving the church. And I think in, in, in some part, it is because the church has, has lost its way a little bit. You know, we, we've kind of forgotten why we exist. And I wanna remind you about that today. I wanna, I wanna talk about what is the purpose of our church? Why are we here? What are, what are we to be? Here's what I believe about the local church. The church is to be a hospital. We are to be a place, that place in the community, in the world, where hurting and wounded people can come for healing and care. I believe that in 2016, we gotta be a place where those who are struggling, struggling with relationships, struggling physically, struggling emotionally, financially, they can come and find refuge and find healing. By the way, if that's true, if we're to be a hospital for wounded people, for struggling people, then guess what we need more of? We need more doctors. We need more nurses, more technicians, those people who can treat and care for more people. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying we need more leaders. I also believe that the church is a family. If you're taking notes, a family, a safe place where anyone, no matter who they are or what they've been through, is welcome and accepted. Now, did you hear that? No matter who they are, okay? White, black, Hispanic, Asian, Gamecock, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they are welcome here. You know, listen to me for a second. The, the real, you know what the answer, the answer to racism, and it sounds so simple, but I know we, we know this to be true. The answer to racism is love. It's God's love. Our church, we have got to, to be a beautiful reflection of the community in which we live, the whole community. A beautiful reflection of the community in which we live, and probably more importantly, the home and glory to which we are all headed. Now, if you're here today, and quite honestly, you're not okay with that, or that bugs you a little bit, you're in the wrong church and you need to find another place. We are a family. We need to be a safe place where anyone, no matter who they are or what they've been through, can find love and acceptance and forgiveness and redemption. You know, I believe that in 2016, more than ever before, we have got to be that place where that 16-year-old student who is struggling with their sexual identity or struggling with same-sex attraction, they can come. And not only will they find truth, but they will find love and redemption. You see, church, if all we are doing is shouting truth without showing love, without showing hope or redemption, without admitting that we are all forgiven sinners, then we are no better than the Pharisees. 
It can't be about just being right. It's also gotta be about relationships. It's gotta be about redemption. It's gotta be about Jesus. By the way, if there's one thing that I do know about hospitals and about families, they are messy, messy places. Would you agree with that? They are absolutely messy. And so the ministry that I'm describing, the church that I'm talking about, it's messy. And you gotta be okay with that. I mean, if this is just a fancy show with pretty lights and hip music and we all put on our casual best and come and see and be seen and hear a sweet little you know, message and a few jokes from Pastor Chris and then we all go home neither changed or challenged to change the world, then let's go home. I mean, I'll find something more important to do. The church is also a school, a place where believers ought to be equipped to do ministry, to serve, and to become a missionary where they live, work, eat, sleep, and play in your neighborhood, in your school, where you work. That's the the process of discipleship. The problem today, though, is a lot of believers, a lot of Christians and a lot of churches have a real warped view about what true discipleship is all about. A lot of people in church think that discipleship really is all about just the right information, about knowing facts. Now, listen to me very carefully, okay? The right information is important, okay? Good theology is important. But discipleship has gotta be more than just knowing the right information. If that's all discipleship is about, then the most mature, the deepest followers of Jesus would have been the Pharisees. And yet Jesus spiritually spanked them over and over and over again. He called them snakes. He called them whitewashed tombs. He said, you look all pretty on the outside and you know the facts and you keep the law, but you are rotten to your heart. You know, today as a believer, you have access to more information than in any point in in human history. The problem is not the, the information. The problem is that we have forgotten that the truth, the way, the life, it's a person. And and his name is Jesus. Discipleship has got to be about leading people to Christ and then becoming more and more like him. Let let me give you a simple, very good two-word definition of, of discipleship straight from the mouth of Jesus. Okay. In fact, over and over and over again, when he would call people, you know, uh, uh, challenge them to come after him and to, and to join him, he would simply say these two words: "Follow me. Follow me. Listen to my voice. Obey my words and become like me. Follow me." The church is also an army. An army. I think when we come in here on Sunday morning, we ought to still see the steam rising off of our bald heads, mine maybe, um, because we're warriors. You know, we, we ought to lock arms willing to do battle with one another to turn back the advances of the enemy and reclaim our community for Christ, to beat down the gates of hell and rescue people. 
one life at a time. Now, in 2016, though, we've got to be very, very clear about who the real enemy is. Now, our enemy is not another church. We're not in competition with other churches. We talked about that last week. You're not gonna hear that here. If you preach Jesus, we're on the same team. But listen to me, loud and clear. Our enemy is not the Democratic Party. Our enemy is not the Republican Party. Our enemy is not the gay community. Our enemy is not Barack Obama or the next president that's in the White House that you happen to disagree with. The Bible says, our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is Satan and he came to steal, to kill and destroy. And the very people, so many who call themselves Christians are yelling at and protesting against are the very people that Jesus died on the cross for. The object of his love. Church, we've lost our way. No wonder people are leaving. You see, the church that I am describing, the church I am hoping to be, is the hope of the world. And we get to be a part of it. Oh, you know, presidents, celebrities, athletes, Fortune 500 CEOs, man, they don't go to work doing what they do every day with eternity hanging in the balance. But you do. We do. And, and we do together as a part of the church. Now, because I believe those things about the church, here's what I believe about us for 2016. God has called us to change the world one life at a time. To do ministry, to do life, to live and breathe in such a way that has a kingdom impact on the lives of the people where we live, in our community, in Charleston, and in the world. He has called us, listen, Coastal, to keep growing, to keep reaching people, to keep marching forward. Now, why? Why are we going to do this? Why, why the time? Why the energy? Why the effort? Do, you know, is it because, you know, hey, Pastor Chris has got a really big ego and we need a bigger building and, you know, no, listen to me. It is so simple and it is so clear and I want you to have the same sense of urgency. It is because people are lost and they need Jesus. He is the hope of the world. I mean, do you believe that or do you not? And if you believe it, you will start seeing yourself as a missionary, wrestling with questions like, man, who am I praying for? Who am I inviting to Coastal? Who am I building a relationship with? You see, what I'm talking about today, man, this is serious stuff. This is what life is all about. Life is not about your stuff. Life is not about things or living for the weekend, or making a decent living so that one day you can retire and provide a nice little life or nest egg for your kids? What do you think your kids or family need the most anyway? Your stuff or Jesus? 
I mean, when we're all standing before God in eternity one day, what's your nest egg gonna do? It's about loving God and loving people. And life is short. It comes and goes so quickly. And I'm telling you, the only thing that matters is Jesus and introducing as many people as possible to him. And I just wanna be clear about that today. Our purpose is to share and experience life with people. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, my, my purpose is to give what? Life in all its fullness. And we happen to believe here that life is only found in Jesus. You are either dead in your sin or you're alive in Christ. That means we unashamedly try to motivate people to introduce them to Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Jesus commanded us to do that. And so as a church, we are seeking to obey his command until he comes again or he calls you home. Listen to what what it said about Jesus in Matthew chapter nine. Look on, it's on the screen, it's on your outline. Matthew chapter nine, verses 36 through 38. It says that Jesus felt great pity for the crowds that came because their problems were so great. Now listen to this. But they didn't know where to go for help. They were... They were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he said to his disciples, the harvest, it is so great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send out more workers for his fields. How many of you um, like to people watch? People watch. I like to do that. I mean, that's pretty, you know, I mean, honestly, you know, one of the things I'm looking forward to just, you know, going out to Glendale and going out to Vegas is just the, I'm sure, the very interesting people watching that I will have a chance to do. Um, that, that's kind of what Jesus was doing here in this passage. He was watching people. What did he see? Probably the same thing I'm going to see in Vegas. I know he saw what I see here in Charleston. He saw messed up people. He saw hurting people. People with so problem with, with problems so great, so many problems, man, they didn't know where to turn. And the problem wasn't that there weren't enough of them, there weren't enough people to point them in the right direction. There weren't enough workers. Man, I don't know about you, but that's, that describes 2016. That describes where I live, where I work, where I play. What do you see? I mean, I look around and I see people who are hurting and hopeless. I see people who are turning to anything and anyone to fill that void in their soul. I see people that are confused and beat down with poverty and greed. I see families that are breaking up. I see people just existing, just trying to make it from day to day and weekend to weekend. I see people filled with anger. I see, I see people filled with hatred, hurting one another, hurting themselves. 
I see people have no idea of their value, their intrinsic value and worth because they were created in the image of a holy and a loving God. And if you see that and you're filled with compassion like Jesus, you're gonna want our church to grow. Our church must grow. We must move forward. We must include new people. We got a dream. We got a plan because people are dying and they're going to hell without Jesus. And it is that clear. And so our primary focus of ministry, the primary reason why we do what we do each week, week in and week out, is, is achieving that objective. It shapes everything that we do. We are on a mission, the same mission that Jesus had, to seek and to save that which is lost. And we will do anything and use anything at our disposal short of sin to accomplish that. You know, last week I looked back on 2015 and I wanna share with you now just a couple of things, just a couple that we're gonna be doing here in 2016 and some of the goals, you know, that we have. Uh, next Sunday, January 17th, we're gonna kick off a new series uh, entitled Get Fit. Get fit, of all things, for the new year, get fit. I'm gonna be talking about getting fit uh, relationally, spiritually, financially, and yes, even physically. And I admit, man, I got some work to do in that area. Man, I gotta lose some weight, I gotta get healthy. Man, if our church is gonna keep growing and keep you know, adding services or whatever, man, I gotta get prepared. But my guess is everybody in this room has next steps you need to take to get fit in your life maybe physically, maybe relationally. Maybe you have an area to grow uh, financially. In February, since it's the month of love, uh, we're gonna be hosting, does anybody know what we're doing? It's in your bulletin today, what? Right, a marriage conference, a marriage retreat. Man, we are so excited about this. We've done this before, but it's been a long, long time. And so the weekend of love, in fact, it'll be our 29th wedding anniversary, Janet, on that Sunday, Valentine's Day. And uh, woo, baby. So um, on the 12th and the 13th, uh, we're gonna have a marriage conference at the uh, Doubletree Hotel uh, right there by the airport, formerly the Holiday Inn, right off 526. You can sign up today. They're in your bulletin. Uh, we're gonna, you don't have to stay at the hotel, but if you'd like to stay at the hotel, we got a special room rate for you. It's only 100 bucks. By the way, don't sit here and complain to me that you don't have $100. Save the money you're gonna spend on lottery tickets this week, okay? <laughs> I promise you, this will be money better spent. Uh, it's an investment in your marriage and in your relationship. And if you're married, you get to have hotel sex, so that's great, you know, right there. Um, I can say that, right? You can say that, I don't care. Anyway, um, so if you're married, I said, okay, so. Um, but you don't have to be a member of our church to participate, but I promise whether you're uh, engaged, not the hotel sex, but if you're engaged or you're newly married or you've been married for a long time, I promise uh, it'll be worth, worth the uh, investment in coming. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna uh, raffle off uh, to the people who sign up for the conference. You gotta come, uh, but we're gonna give away a couple of tickets to the, uh, who is it? Garth Brooks and Shisha Yearwood? What is that, country music? I don't even know what that is. Anyway, um, oh, I'm sorry. But anyway, they're gonna be singing right across the street from the hotel. So what a, man, what a great Valentine's package. So uh, sign up for that. Um, obviously, 
Another big change in 2016 is that we will move into our new building. Woo! Um, a a 12,000 square foot building that will serve as a worship and recreation space for our church and for our community. And we will be able to seat approximately 600 people in worship and uh, then play basketball and volleyball and serve our community during the week. Now, the obvious question on everybody's mind is what? When? When? I I knew you would say that. I knew it. Um, When will it happen? Here's the answer. When it's ready. (laughs) When it's ready. But follow me for a second. Easter is is early this year. Uh, It's March 27th. Comes in March, not in April. Who knows? Now, it could be that late February, early March, we have a few soft openings for us, you know, as we kind of work out the kinks and the lights and the sound and all that, and that our grand, grand opening is Easter Sunday, 2016. Now, my question is not, will it be ready by March 27th? But if it's ready on March 27th, can we break a 1,000 people on Easter Sunday? Last year on Easter Sunday, over three services in a ginormous tent outside on our property, worrying about the weather, we had 774. This year in our new facility, can we break a 1,000? I think we can. What about you, do you think we can? What's the easiest way for that to happen? Everybody invite and bring somebody. But do you know what happens to a lot of churches when they move into a new building? They forget their mission. They get distracted. They become inward focused. Coastal, that's not gonna happen here. You've heard me say this a thousand times, if not once, a building is just a what? It's just a tool. Now it's a tool that we're gonna leverage and use and use up and use it to keep reaching people and keep reaching people, but get ready because that's just phase one. And if that's phase one and we're counting, what does that mean that there's a what? There's a phase two. Now, our strategy is very simple. It's not changed. It's invest and invite. Invest and invite, build a relationship, build a redemptive relationship with the people in your life who don't know Jesus and invite them to Coastal. I mean, when is the last time that you invited somebody to come to church with you? Just be a friend. You know, the problem is for most people, the longer they're in the church, the less likely that they have friends outside the church. Coastal, that shouldn't be if you're a missionary. Love and serve the people that God has placed in your life. Pray for them, share your story, share your faith, and invite them to come to Coastal because when they come here, they are going to hear about Jesus. You know, I also, in 2016, I wanna help you get better connected. I want our members to grow spiritually. You can only make disciples when people who join the crowd stick around. Honestly, it's fairly easy to attract a crowd. What's more difficult is getting people to stick. 
to feel that they're a part of the family. The issue is, how do we help people see that they belong? And the best way to grow spiritually is to, to be committed to the, to the body. How, you know, as we face another year, here's some of the questions that I wrestle with. Questions like, how do you get every member into a small group? How do you give every person who comes to Coastal who feels that this is their home and their family, how do they find a role serving in the body? a place where they can serve God by serving other people? How do we create that volunteer culture? How do you best challenge people to commit to be a part of Coastal? How do you get people to take ownership of the mission and vision of our church? You see, my role as a pastor is not to produce spiritual maturity. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But it's certainly our job as leaders and as a church to create an environment and supply the tools for God to work with. Here are some other questions I wrestle with. How, over the next 12 months, will my preaching challenge people to be like Jesus? How can I get more and more people in our church to pray and to read their Bibles every day? How can I remind you of the power and the potential of prayer? Coastal, that's it. That's what I'm calling you to in 2016. And by the way, I am not, I am not calling you to something else to add to your schedule. You know, to, you know, most of you are already way too busy. I'm not calling you to that. I'm calling you to change the world. And so this new year, let's not focus on what we don't have or how far we have to go. Let's not focus on a new building. Let's just rise up together and be the true church. Let's get busy and get to work like everything depends on us. And then let's pray and beg God like it all depends on him. And then let's walk by faith and trust him. And in the process, I promise you, we will change this world. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.